Parents, as I said, we're going to provide an opportunity this morning due uh, to the nature of our message um, for your kiddos to head out with Miss Catherine. And so if you haven't had an opportunity to check them in yet, um, we're going to ask uh, that you, you, you do that. Um, again, we're going to, I, I just felt led this week to address what happened and Uvalde and, and to offer a biblical response to that. And so we want our kiddos to head out with Miss Catherine at this time. And uh, then parents, of course, you can work your way uh, back in if, if you don't have... Uh, that check-in sticker for them yet. All right, we'll let them do that. As our kids make their way out, I want to make a little bit of a disclaimer here uh, about what we're going to do this morning. And I think it's important to say that uh, what I'm going to talk to you about is meant to be a biblical-reasoned response to the violence that occurred. I think it is balanced, It is not intended to be political, but because of the environment that we live in, some of you are going to want to receive it that way. Please don't, okay? So I'm asking you as your pastor, as your friend, uh, we do life together, many of us outside these walls. I'm going to ask if you would, please, just drop the force field for the next 20, 25 minutes that we might seek the Lord. Are you guys okay with that? Does that make sense? Okay, so I want to start... By just saying, I think it's important that we address this. I didn't want to address this. I wanted to choose the easy road. I wanted to just finish our series because it was easier. Right? In this environment, it's easier as a pastor to just keep your head down sometimes. I've got a lot of friends that feel that way. No, dude, just, just, man, just avoid it. Don't say this. Don't say that, man. If you want to be employed, like, it's easier. It just is. But sometimes what the Holy Spirit puts on your heart is more important than easy. Okay? So that's where this is coming from. So here, here are, uh, as of Thursday, when I put this on paper, this is what we knew. Tuesday, late morning, in Uvalde, Texas, an 18-year-old armed with a legally purchased AR and at least seven 30-round magazines barricaded himself inside Robb Elementary School where he murdered 19 innocent children, two adults, and he wounded 17 others before the authorities could eliminate him. Now the majority of those kids are about my daughter's age. They were 10 years old, celebrating the last days of school, same thing my daughter just did on Monday, field days and such. Their parents were putting the final plans in place for summer vacations, and now instead they're planning the funerals of their kids. And I think the weight and the gravity of that should at least make us pause in what we had planned, right? And cause us to just, one, hold our babies closer, but two, just to pray. As God's people, just to pray. And so before we ever proceed, could we just go to the throne this morning? Would you bow where you are? Would you sympathize with those that are hurt? Those that have lost? Would you just go before the throne where you are? I'll close this in prayer, but would you just right now pray for those families? Pray for those teachers. Pray for that community. Pray for our nation. Would you do that right where you are?
Oh, Lord God, we are hurting. Some of us are angry. Some of us are overcome by sadness. Some of us don't even know what to feel, but we are a mess. God, we can't even imagine how these families are feeling. And we just pray that your strength would sustain them, that your peace would overwhelm them. God, that you would comfort them and guide them. Holy Spirit, we want to welcome you in this place. We ask that you would come and speak to us on how we might respond. Times like these, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, The sermon notes are a little different this morning. I do want to offer them to you. If you want to download our digital notes, they just have spaces for you to type along, input some things. There's no fill in the blanks this morning. I don't want anyone to get lost in in stuff. And so uh, if you grabbed a printed bulletin, all the blanks are filled in for you. There's just spaces for you to maybe jot some notes. And so uh, today I'd like to offer a response to what happened, to what seems to keep happening. Right, just just a response. Now, uh, I've seen two primary types of responses uh, offered up by our society. Okay, and they kind of uh, fall in 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 different camps uh, based on who you identify with politically. It seems one response from from a group uh, says something like this. Right, Sandy Hook was ten years ago. We keep asking for gun control, and we keep getting thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers are killing a lot of innocent people. We need gun control. Now that's, that's a sentiment shared by a group of people in our country. That's real. That's how they feel. Okay? So we're just acknowledging that's out there. So that's the sentiment shared by a group. Uh, many of those uh, have shared similar, if not that, that exact tweet, but very similar sentiment is being shared all over social platforms. Uh, many many are being shared by believers. So that's, that's one camp. Now there's another camp also sharing, and their message is a little different. Again, this aligns with political ideologies. They're saying things like this. The NRA did not write the Second Amendment. The founders of the United States of America did. Deal with it. And if, again, this camp, if it's not that exact messaging, It's something in regards to the Second Amendment, in regards to the right to bear arms, in regards to... And and listen, I'm just telling you, this this is where our nation is divided into these camps. And I want to tell you this morning that I think both of those responses fall miserably short. Because they both suffer from the same sin, and that sin is idolatry. There's no other way to say it. See, one group idolizes politics as the final answer. And they think that the ultimate gain is legislation. And and if I can legislate something, and if I can make it happen, then all of this will cease. And and, and you're, you're elevating legislation above, right? Above the Lord. And I think they do that. Uh, it's out of anger. Those posts are out of anger. No one's listening. To, why won't someone listen? Now, there's another group equally idolizing politics just in a different way. They post out of fear. See, in, in their version of things, politics is what protects their faith and their freedom and their rights. And they're so afraid 
that they would lose those. They view politics as the thing that has to protect them. And that too, if, if you need legislation to protect your faith, friends, I don't know what kind of faith you have. Both suffer from the same sin, and that's idolatry. It looks something like this, if we were going to kind of put it in cartoon format. You see the two colors our nation is divided into there. The blue and the red. Both groups over faith. And any time we do that, that is called idolatry. Neither external seeking of a solution has solved these horrific incidents from happening, has it? We okay to say both have failed miserably? Anybody want to argue that point that we're failing miserably currently at protecting our kids? Anybody want to make that argument? No? Okay. So we need to start there that these systems are broken and we're failing miserably because neither one of them can address the core issue, which is evil. Now, when I say that, somebody, because of the nature of these systems, is going to think that I'm calling for you to not do anything. That I'm calling for some measure of inactivity. That's not the case, by the way. I, I think both parties can do way better. And if you can't look at tragedy like this and go, guys, can we figure something out? Can we try something different? Because we keep doing the same thing, having the same arguments, and we're seeing the same results. So I would say to grown adults who say, in this nation where we actually have a voice, we've got to try something different. Because this isn't working. That's important that you hear that. It's also important that you hear from me that, that even though we can do better than we are, that no amount of legislation is going to fix the core root of this problem, which is evil. That also is true. And that has to be addressed. And by the way, there's only one group of people that can address that, and they sit in places like this on Sunday morning. So we've got work to do. We've got to stop dodging it. And we've got to stop identifying as things other than followers of Jesus. So, what should we do? What does the Bible call us to do? What should our response be? I'm going to say four things. I believe in this order. You can argue with me on order, but not on number one. First and foremost, our response should be that we weep, that we mourn, and that we learn to hate evil. That we weep, that we mourn, and that we learn to hate evil. Romans 12, uh, 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. That word in the Greek, weep, it means to mourn. To mourn. It means to weep. It means to lament. It, 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 it refers to weeping as a sign of pain and grief and in, in, in this context that you're feeling for someone else. That you're literally putting yourself in their position and you're hurting on their behalf. We don't do that in this country. Not well. And I'm saying it's got to start here. I, I'll tell you, uh, 
I began Tuesday dealing with a text I thought I was going to preach. I was trying to work through it. I, I, I met with my D group. I'm just asking questions. I want to know, like, hey, if, if you believe this, why do you believe that? Talk to me about this. I've, I've had questions. I've, talk, I've had so many conversations this week with people. And uh, my dear friend John, who's back here in the corner, um, I introduced you guys to him. Uh, in staff, I was sharing my thoughts with staff, and he said, um, brother, I love you and I appreciate your heart, but you can't even write a message until you mourn. You've got to go, you've got to go mourn. Otherwise, all the people are going to hear is Jason because Jason was angry. And Jason was hurting. And, and I would have got up here and I would have told you a bunch of my ideas and my ideas don't matter. You don't need Jason, you need Jesus. So I had to mourn, I had to weep, I had to work through it. I'm just going to tell you guys that it's the same for us. It's the same for us. So we, we have to learn to weep with those who weep, but we can't just weep and mourn. We also have to hate what is evil. Romans 12.9 says, Detest evil. Cling to what is good. Right? And so we've got to be very clear that these types of things are from the devil. Can we say that? This is pure evil. And, 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 and the, the good news in that is we, we know why Jesus came. Jesus came to destroy this, right? That's what it says in 1 John 3, 8. 1 John 3, 8, it says that literally, the one who commits sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. But it says this, the Son of God was revealed for this purpose. This is why he came, ready? To destroy the devil's work. Jesus has to be what our solution is focused in, right? He has to be the source that we turn to. Again, this is where we start. We start with weeping and mourning. So I'm going to say some things to you, and I love you. That's why I'm saying them to you. Ready? We have to weep and mourn before we speak. I had to. You better weep and mourn before you post. You better weep and mourn before you tweet. You better weep and mourn before you blame. You better weep and mourn before you dismiss. And you better weep and mourn before you make excuses. If you have not wept on behalf of someone else, you've got to be quiet until you do. Christian brothers and sisters, this is our duty. This is the call of Scripture to weep for those that weep, to mourn for those that mourn. And unless we do that, we don't have anything to say. We have to start there. Does it make sense? Step two. After we've done that, we need to pray and examine our own hearts. After we have wept and we have mourned, we've called evil, evil, we've hated it, we then have to pray and examine our own hearts. And so I want to talk about priorities uh, with you this morning from a biblical standpoint. Priorities, okay? And so we've got some great um, guiding principles here in Scripture, and we'll start with uh, every Christian's priority um, guiding principle should be the greatest commandment. We'll begin there, right? What is the greatest commandment? Well, Jesus put it this way, love the Lord your God with what? All of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. So 
So again, if we're talking about our lives, what they should be built around, first and foremost, our love uh, for God, okay? But God didn't just give us the greatest commandment. He also gave us a whole bunch of commandments. And the first and foremost commandment in all of those comes uh, from the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, verse 2 and 3. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. And he says what? Do not have any other gods besides me. So we're to love God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, and we're not supposed to have any other God beside him. And you say, it gets cloudy. How do I know if it's a God? Well, you know that based on your love. Because God not only gives us the greatest command, not only does he give us the first command, but then he talks to us a lot about our first love. In Revelation chapter 2, God is rebuking the church in Ephesus, who's done great things. And, uh, and this, is, uh, this is what is spoken to them in Revelation 2, 4. But yet I have this against you. You've abandoned, other translations say, forsaken the love you had at first, or your first love. Again, it's a, it's a position of priority. This is where it should be. That's not where it is, but this is where it should be. And so I want to challenge you in that. Jesus put it this way, talking about first loves. He said in Luke 14, 26, If anyone comes to me and doesn't hate his own father and mother and wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he can't be my disciple. That's a hard uh, verse. We, we struggle to understand. But what Jesus is saying is, listen, this love you have for me has to be so great that the second place love in your life looks like hate. If you're, if you're looking at your heart, you say, how much do I love God? How, how much do I set him apart? God says, you must set me apart so much that the people that you love, it, it, it's got to be in, in comparison, in your language, in your terms, you would almost hate them compared to how much you care for me. So practically, the way that works out in our hearts should look something like, these, these concentric circles, right? And so I've got an image I'll put on the screen for you, and uh, it's in your notes there. That our lives should be driven by these three things, right? Convictions, beliefs, and opinions. Convictions, beliefs, and opinions. I'm going to define those for you. This is probably a little different than you've heard in other places. So convictions, these are absolute truths, Period. What is absolute truth? Jesus said in John 17, he's praying, Father, sanctify them by the truth. And then he says, your word is truth. If this is absolute truth, do we know any other absolute truth in the world? Anybody? No? This isn't, I'm, I got to speak my truth. It's not your truth. Absolute truth, only the word of God. So listen, that driving the inner part of who we are the most sacred parts of our hearts that drive us should only be filled with what? The Word of God. What God says has to be at the core of who we are. Now we break that out. Then we have belief. Right? And what is belief? Belief is... Uh, it's our, our perspectives of truth. Right? It's our perspectives of truth. I'm going to give you examples of this in a second. So we've got... Absolute truth, and we have kind of our, our perceptions of truth, 
right? It's a better way to put that. Our perceptions of truth are, are like, like this is applying those truths. And then even further out, we have opinions. And opinions, you, you kind of know what that is. It's what I think. So we're going to work that out. Let's, let's, let's think of it this way. So, so conviction. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he's the only way to the Father. It's conviction, amen? It's like bound in Scripture. That's a conviction. Now, now, a belief might be something like this. I believe that everyone who trusts in Jesus should be baptized by immersion. That's a belief. It's, it's based upon, right? But, but, it, but it's not my conviction. Listen, my Methodist brother that comes to faith in Christ and is sprinkled as a form of baptism, how do I feel about them? I rejoice in them. If they've come to know Christ, that's what matters, right? I do think scripturally the word means to sink a ship, and so I have a belief that this is how it should be done, but I will fellowship with that person all day long because I'm going to spend an eternity in heaven with them. You guys follow me? Okay, so that's a belief. Now an opinion goes something like this. Well, I think those hymns teach, teach you know, more theology than anything else we sing, right? That's an opinion. That's an opinion. So we have convictions, and we have beliefs, and then we have opinions. And here's what I'm going to say to you. It's very, very important. Is that the driving principles in your life has to be solely founded upon the Word of God, not upon even beliefs. Definitely not upon opinions. And here's the problem. We have an enemy that's very real, and his, his goal, his aim, is to get those things from the outer circles to force them down into that center place that should belong only to God, right? And the greatest minds, spiritual minds, knew this. Solomon wrote, above all else, guard your heart because it's the wellspring of life. It's where all the good, all, all the fruit, who you become, it, it's all going to come from, from your heart. Jesus actually said, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so, so Christians were called to guard that place with everything, above all else, Solomon says, above it all, Guard that place. The problem is we don't. We haven't. And that is evidenced in the things that we say. And it's evidenced in the things that we share. And the things that we tweet. The things that come out of our mouth. They actually show us that we have not guarded our hearts well. Amen? So step one is that we mourn. That we really hurt for people. Step two, though, is not that we avoid prayer because we know the truth. We know that prayer is effective. Okay? We know that prayer, the Bible says so. That prayer is effective. You know, sometimes prayer changes the way that God acts. But here's where I want to challenge you, Christians. This is, listen, a watching world is watching you. And you, above all else, know who prayer is intended to change. You know it, right, believers? Is it intended to change my circumstances? Is it, is it always meant to change the external? Is it always meant to change others? Who is prayer usually meant to change? Me. And there's a world that is watching us going, wait a second. It seems like you're only praying outwardly. Where's the change in you? Right? So we have to be careful here when we pray. I think it's so important to lift up people that are hurt. 
families that are mourning. We, we've got to grieve with them and we've got to pray for them. But we also have to pray for our own hearts, right? King David, Psalm 139, writes, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. If you think about those concentric circles, I think our prayer would look something like this. God, would you examine the depths of my heart? And if there is anything that I have allowed into this center space that's not of you, God, then drive it out. It's like in the Old Testament when they would tear down idols. They go, God, there are things in here that, that are not. They're not of you. I've allowed guiding principles of my life to not be founded upon your word. Lord, forgive me. Change. So I'll give you a silly example. Ready? It's silly. Uh, I, I've noticed as gas prices have gone up, you guys have noticed this too, I drive a lot. Anybody else notice that at the pump? You're like, man, I am driving a lot. I, I mean, we could go, uh, I, I saw a, a joke about uh, the horse and buggies, right? They're like, ha-ha, those people are killing you at the pump right now. They're going right past you as you're at the pump filling up hundreds of dollars at a time. I realize I drive a lot. I do. I, I, I probably drive, I don't know, 60 miles a day at it, it, minimum minimum for me, which I used to walk, right? I never drove. I walked to work every day. So I'm driving a lot. I feel it in my pocketbook. I feel it at the pump. But you know what's funny is not once in the last, I don't know, 45 years that I've been alive have I ever met somebody and said, hey, my name's Jason. I'm a driver. Not once. I've never added that descriptor to, hey, my name's Jason. I'm a Christian driver. Definitely not, I'm a driver who, who follows Christ. I've, I've never once, I've never once introduced myself and said, hey, my name's Jason, I'm an oxygen breather. How about you? And here's what I'm trying to say to you, yet, in our world, we have identified ourselves in camps by saying things like, hey, I'm Jason, I'm a conservative Christian. Things on the outside shouldn't define me. Our politics should be like driving a car. We shouldn't see them as supreme. And listen, if, if you identify yourself by something other than Christ, you've given that something a place that it doesn't deserve to be. Okay? May that sound silly to you, but I hope it sticks. Not once have I ever introduced myself to somebody and said, hey, I'm Jason, I'm a driver of a vehicle. It's a 2010 Ford Fusion, by the way. It, it's missing one of the covers to the fog lamps because I hit a raccoon at four in the morning taking a kid to school. Um, not bitter about it at all. Little ripped leather seat behind me. Need a seat cover. Like it's never, not once come up in the conversation, not once. Boy, that's a better world, isn't it? Okay. So first, I grieve and I mourn. Second, uh, right, I pray. Third, we've we got to wrap it up. I know. I have to learn to love rightly. This is almost could be seen as repentance. What do you mean love rightly? Well, God first, people second, and those are, cannot be separated. They're inextricably linked together. Okay? A good friend of mine shared uh, with me. He said, Jason, think about Luke 23. What does it say in Luke 23? So here's what it says in Luke 23. Um, I think I have it for you. 
right? It says, then he said to them, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. He said, the funny thing about that verse is it never says let him take up his telephone pole, right? Like Jesus didn't carry just a single beam, he carried a cross. And so it's always meant to have this vertical, like yes, I love the Lord, but I can never forget that the, the horizontal, right? And the way that I care for others is inextricably linked to my love for God. I always have to think of others. And if I'm not even considering whoever else I consider to be on the other side of a political spectrum, then I am fooling myself if I think I'm following Jesus rightly. It's loving God and loving people. If I don't even consider, then there's a problem. All right? There's a problem. It kind of brings me to the last point. Then we have to share the gospel. Only then, I think, can we share the gospel. Only then, when we get through these steps, only then can we share the clear, beautiful, unadulterated, non-murky gospel of Jesus Christ. So here's where I was going to be this morning, 2 Timothy 2, 8 and 9. It said, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead and descend from David according to my gospel, for which I suffered to the point of being bound like a criminal. This is Paul. But he says, but the word of God is not bound. And so uh, starting Tuesday, I began to think, wait a second. So Paul is bound. He's imprisoned. And yet his message was, it changed the world. I, I mean, I mean half, 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 like, listen, half the New Testament's Paul. So, so he was bound, but his message wasn't bound. It was so clear that we're here today. And then I thought about us. And I said, like, we, here we are. We have all these freedoms. We have all the freedoms that you could imagine. We have all the technology to deliver the, the message more than ever before. Yet our message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, seems to be more bound than ever before. And I just thought, I wonder if that's because of all the freedoms that we possess. Right? Because I have the freedom about whether or not I show up in this place and I worship God. That's a choice I have. Right? I, I get to choose which party I want to identify with. I even get to help form policy. I've got so much freedom, and yet the message of Christ is lost in it all. The church as a whole in America has baptized less people every year. Every year. Churches are, are closing their doors. And I'm just, I'm begging you people, do you think it could be because of the freedoms that we possess and that we cling to? Do you think it might have something to do with the idols that we've allowed to form, with the things that are not central that we keep saying and preaching and then people can't hear the truth about Jesus because of all the other things that we've made our lives about? So you ask me, Pastor, what's a biblical response? I think it's one that starts in your heart just getting it right and making it a place where God and God alone dwells. And when you are broken before the Lord and you really care and start praying for other people, then suddenly their opinions, and I know for some of them it's not an opinion. It's, it's core to who they are right now, but it's, they're going to get there. They just need to find Jesus. But we've got to be those people first. We've got to be those people first. Church, I pray that we will rise up and respond to crisis like this in a godly way. I pray that as we get on our knees, it changes the way we think about other people and, and, and idols in our lives, and we would actually consider, God, what can I do to help? Could I, could I, could I be a part of bettering this? E even while we know that ultimately what needs to happen is Jesus needs to come back.
But in the meantime, we have a job to do, and that's to share the gospel. And friends, we haven't been effective because we've been so caught up in all this other stuff. I pray this morning you join me in saying, hey God, I want to be loosened to just be about you. I think the world will be a better place. Would you pray with me? Father, thanks for loving us. We love you. It's in your name. We ask that you help us bring about these changes in our lives that are not easy. Not once in the Old Testament was it ever easy to pull down an idol. There are people that are going to look. There are people that are going to line up. There are people that are going to be angry. But God, we need you to be glorified in us, through us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Quickly, because you got to go, and I've already made you late. Um, this morning we take up a second offering for our uh, Give Big Sunday. We couldn't push it. We, we do this at the end of the month. So very quickly, let me show you those uh, slides. So um, real quick, here's where we are uh, in our goal, which is awesome. Uh, last time we, we met here, we were at about 200000 The Lord has provi provided $60,000 in the last month. Amen? All right, thank you, Lord Jesus. And, uh, and so we, we don't even know what he's going to do this month, so, but we're praying. We're praying about 33% of the way there. Um, very quickly, I, I, if I was going to show, yeah, yeah, very quickly, while this video goes in the background, I'm just going to talk. So in the last month, um, here's where we are. I think like Monday, Tuesday, we start pouring concrete beams, okay? So that's, that's where it is. Uh, the, the, we've kind of got the base down, looking like you're seeing it behind me. They're starting to form out the base of uh, where the parking lot will be, and you can start to see, oh, there's going to be a little landscaping center there, and a little bit there, and um, we've kind of walked that. Um, so guys, concrete beams, uh, which is huge. Concrete's gone up, fuel prices have gone up, all this kind of stuff. Um, your team is dealing with that, and, and it's been awesome. They're going to have to pour it in two different times, so we'll pour half the beams uh, one day, because there's a concrete shortage, and then they'll come back, and they'll pour uh, concrete to the other half of the building, and then um, in two more pours, then they'll pour the slab that goes over the whole thing. So it's a little complicated, but it's going to be awesome. And so just be looking for concrete trucks. You can go to our website. Um, literally every day, if you go to the giving page on our website, you'll see an updated still. Oh, hey, in some of those you'll see a concrete truck. Be like, oh, they're pouring today. You can drive by. And every time you drive by, we want you to pray. Um, so this morning, here's what I want you to do is I'm going to ask you to give um, we ask every family at the end of the month to try to give above and beyond their tithes something to this cause. Uh, and the Lord has taken those gifts and he's using them greatly for his kingdom. So um, if we can go ahead and skip, uh, there we go. So uh, easiest way to do it, again, you, you've got envelopes in the pew in front of you. Or you can take your phone, scan that. That goes specifically to um, the uh, Future Fund page. And so I'm going to pray for this offering. I'm going to allow you to give as soon as you have. Um, you are officially dismissed, okay? Um, God, thanks for loving us. Allow us to give faithfully this morning to this cause. As we do that, release us to go into this world prayerfully, hopefully changed because of what we've heard that we might respond differently. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen, amen, amen.